Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. First Samuel chapter one. We're staying here in this series for this I prayed. And um, last week we gave everyone prayer cards that you could write down prayer requests that you want us to be praying for over um, these 21 days of prayer and fasting and throughout the month of January. And if you weren't here, we have prayer cards in the back. Uh, you can write your prayer request on, put it on our board. Our team prayed over it this morning. We sent copies out to all of our prayer team members, all of our staff members got them, so that we are believing that some things that you have been asking for and praying for maybe for weeks, months, years, or dare I say even decades, that God is a God that answers prayer, right? But he answers prayers according to his will. So let's jump into the word this morning. In verse seven, we're looking at the story of Hannah. Hannah was the first wife of her husband's, and she was not able to bear him a son. So her husband, Elkanah, remarried, married a second wife who bore him many children. And Hannah is suffering with this infertility. And year after year, she's you know, dealing with the insecurity and the insignificance of not being able to provide a son for her husband and then hearing the taunting of her, her husband's second wife who is taunting her and condemning her for not being able to, to bear children herself. And they go to worship every year. Her husband's a, a, a faithful man. He's a religious man. He's a spiritual man. And every year he goes to the same place in Shiloh, to the tabernacle, to worship. And this is what we're going to pick up in verse 7. And it says, year after year, it was what? The same. Year after year, it was the same. Penanai would taunt Hannah as they would, went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Her husband would say. Why aren't you eating? Why are you downhearted? Just because you have no children, isn't you have me, he says. Look at me. Aren't I better than 10 sons? Great answer, guy, great answer. Verse nine says, once, everyone say once, once after a sacrificial meal in Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies or heaven's hosts, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you and he will be yours his entire lifetime. As a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And so this, this cutting of the hair was a part of the Nazarite vow where you, know, you didn't cut your hair, you didn't drink wine, you didn't touch any dead things. And this was a, a, a lifestyle that was set to consecrate you or set you apart for the Lord. And so what Hannah is saying is, look, if you give me a son, 
I will give him back to you, acknowledging that before she has this son, it belongs to who? God. That, that he is the giver of all gifts. James says that, that every good and perfect gift comes from him. And she's saying, look, if you give me this son, I'll give him back to you, and, and he will be consecrated to you for the rest of your life. But before she gets to this point, it's year after year that she is wrestling with this infertility, and many of the prayer requests that have, have been written back there and some of them that are in your heart, there are things that you've been praying for and they're just not happening. And, and we see these delays, I said last week, we see these delays and denials as God's inability to answer prayer. Or maybe we see it as his lack of desire to answer prayer. But I made this statement and it says, delays and denials are not a result of God's inability or his lack of desire to answer prayers. Because scripture tells us time and time again that, that he has all authority, he has all power, he is able and he is willing and he desires to answer our prayers. So when that doesn't happen, what this is for you and I is it's opportunities for us to align with God's heart and God's will. And we talked about that God answers our prayers when they align with his will. We can't just, we can, we can just ask for anything but he gives us what aligns with his will. First John says that we have this confidence. We have this confidence that God hears us when we ask for anything that aligns with his will. And if we have the confidence that he hears us, we know that he will answer us. And when we're praying and aligning with God's will, some of the things in prayers that, that, that he always answers, he always answers God's, God, forgive me. We can pray, God, reveal yourself to me. God, give me wisdom. God, give me strength to be obedient to your word. And God, be glorified in me. We can, we can pray those things, and he will always answer those things because guess what? They line up with his will. It's his will that we live forgiven, right? It's his will that, that, that we find him. It's his will that, that we get wisdom from him, that, that he is glorified through us. And as we're praying these things, we are aligning with his will. And we have this confidence that God will move on our behalf. But what happens to that confidence over time? Have you guys ever been really confident about something and you start out really, really confident? And then as the days go on and maybe you're training and you're feeling really strong and maybe you're running and you're feeling really strong and, and then you get to a point of weakness and what happens to that confidence? That confidence starts to dip. And we think, well, I, I, I'm not as strong as I thought I was, or this isn't going to go the way that I thought it was. And, and that, that, that confidence can, can start to just decline over time when it, runs, when it runs dry. What do we do when our confidence runs dry, when people are insensitive, um, and when things just aren't changing? And so I'm going to ask us some questions this morning. Um, what do we do? And, and we'll get to a solution at the end. What do we do when it's the same year after year. What do we do when year after year it's the same? And it says this in verse seven that she would go to the temple every single year with her husband and her husband's other wife and all of her kids. And it says year after year they would go to worship, they would go to celebrate, but she would be taunted and she would be reduced to tears. And it's not just like day after day. It's not week after week. It's, it's year after year. And it's, it's not that just God wasn't answering her prayer. 
It's that when she gets to the place of worship, when she gets to the tabernacle, that's when she's taunted. And, and even the act of worship and the act of celebration is, is a reminder of what she doesn't have. It's a reminder that she's without children. So when these festivals would take place and these celebrations would take place, there would be a meal that they would share from the sacrifice. And so you got to envision Hannah sitting at the table with her family and her husband and, and her husband's other wife and, and all of her kids. And her husband would bring these portions of meat as a celebration. And she would be watching all of the other children getting their pieces of meat, and she gets her one. The other wife gets her pieces of meat, and she gets her one, and it is a reminder of what she doesn't have, and what was meant to be a celebration was just more humiliation because of what she did not have. And so I think about that for us, and I am not so naive to think, guys, that sometimes coming to church can be a painful reminder of what has not happened that there are times in ministry and there are times in worship and maybe even in sermons where we're trying to encourage each other and remind each other of God's goodness. And we look across the aisle and we hear stories of where God is, is moving and showing up in other people's lives, but he's not showing up in ours. And what should be an encouragement is a reminder actually of what is not happening in our life. And I'm not so naive to think that that things like this happen. And if we're not careful in these moments of prayers and faith moments, just as Hannah was reminded that she's still in a barren season, we can be reminded that we're still in a barren season. If we're not careful, it can become very easy to be jaded. And I know that because I've walked through seasons where I've seen God move in other people's lives or now as a lead pastor, I've seen God move in other pastors' churches, but not in mine. And I can wonder like, God, where are you at? Why aren't you answering? And if we're not careful, we can become jaded. And so what do we do when year after year it's the same? And then what do we do when people are insensitive and mean? And I wanted to write some other things there, but I didn't because the other wife was not the greatest. What do we do when those people that are insensitive and mean? And let's be honest, like most people, I would say, they don't really recognize when they're doing that Jesus when he's on the cross and they've nailed him to the cross and and he, he he prays to his father he says father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing but throughout our lifetime we will have one or two or maybe three people in our life that for whatever reason they are out against us that it is their mission to make us feel less than. It is their mission to remind us who we're not or maybe remind us who they think they are in a negative light to remind us what we're missing. And, and, and it's their job in some sense, and they've kind of taken it on, it is, is to feel like um, to put us down, to make us feel less than. And Uh, Maybe they lie, maybe they jab and sound like say something that's nice, but it's kind of with a tone of sarcasm. Those are the worst, right? And I don't know what was being said to Hannah. I don't know what was being whispered. But sometimes people can just be mean and insensitive. I've been having conversations with a couple of my daughters um, who are experiencing this in, um, in school. And we know how to respond when someone else is telling us when they're experiencing that. We know that hurt people do what? 
hurt people. And we can relay that when, when we're talking with someone and they share that and, and we can give wisdom. But, but when it's us experiencing those forces, experiencing those individuals, it's real hard for us to walk out what we talk about in that, right? And so what do we do when people are just downright, they're just mean and insecure? The other question I would ask is, um, what do you do when people mean well but are idiots? <laughs> what do you do when people mean well and are idiots? Um, that's Hannah's husband. I mean, he, he makes a statement. Why are you so downhearted because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? Um, for someone who... Maybe for someone who's single, it's like, yeah, having a husband is great, but according to culture and according to standards and viewpoints, if you're married, your next objective is to have children. And so he said, like, he must have thought really, really highly of himself. And I promise you, he probably had the best intentions. And he's trying to console her. It's like, look, at least you're married. You could be worse off, right? In his eyes, he's saying that, but it's the wrong thing to say. Have you ever met those people? Like they mean well, but they say something, they stick their foot in their mouth. And one of the things when my, uh, my pastor's dad was killed in a car wreck on the missions field when he was 13, and I'll never forget the story. And like one of the things at the funeral, a pastor walked up to him and said, now a 13-year-old is grieving the loss of his father. And the pastor said to him, well, God just needed another flower in his garden. Yeah, I'd have... I'd, Punch the guy right in the mouth, right? Like, come on. It's like, I, he meant well, but that's not what you say to a kid. And, and the funerals are, can I just say, the funerals are kind of the hardest. Like, you don't know what to say. And so let me just give you some encouragement. Don't say anything, <laughs> right? If nothing else, just say, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. But even that, if you're gonna do it, because there's some people that's told me they're praying for me, they ain't prayed in a decade. Don't tell me that, right? And so people have good intentions. So what do we do with that? We can, we can become offended if we want, we can allow that to add to our grievances, but we'll talk about in a moment what, what we'll do. People mean well, but sometimes we say the dumbest things. Um, what do you do, guys, when we're, when we're all prayed out? When it's year after year. When it's the insensitive people that just don't care about your feelings, and then you're dealing with those who mean well. They give advice, but then they don't know when to stop talking. And then what do you do when you're all prayed out? And we know, like, let me speak to our church folks here. Like, like we've heard it. Pray without what? Ceasing. But there's some times in our life where we just, we cease. And the ceasing happens, if we're just real, the ceasing happens because what we're praying for, we're not as passionate about because God's not been answering. And really like one of the um, biggest detriments that causes us to stop praying is when we don't feel like our prayers are answered. And so what happens when we're all prayed out? Year after year, we're all prayed out. We get dis disenfranchised. Um, the worship wears off. The sermon wears off. And I know that in series like this, it's, it's my hope and my desire that as a church, 
Paul says that we're to fan into flame the gift that's inside of us, that it's in seasons like this, that this desire to pray, this desire to seek God, times of 21 days of prayer and fasting would fan into flame this desire in us to grow closer to God, to pray more. But I know that in September, you're gonna have forgotten everything that I've said in January. <laughs> and if we're not careful, we allow that, that passion to subside. Um, what do we do when we're all prayed out? What do we do when there's idiots and insensitive people around us? What do we do? How do we stay focused? We see Hannah wrestling and going through and struggling with all of these things. And so I'm gonna tell you, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep going to worship. And I don't mean church. Church is a gathering of people, but when we come together, what we're doing is it is worship from the songs to the sermon, to the offering and the giving, to the fellowship. It is all worship. Hannah went back year after year. Here's what we do, guys. You keep coming back. Even if at times you come here and the faith level is high of everyone else, but their high faith level actually lowers your faith level because sometimes it just happens as believers, sometimes our praise is a sacrifice. As believers, our thanksgiving is a sacrifice. We used to sing this song in kids' church back in the day. I'm not going to sing it because I don't want you to leave in the middle of my message. This is, I'll bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Okay, I won't sing. This is, come on. Yeah, you guys remember all the claps? Some of you know, like, what is this? Kids' church was awesome. But sometimes bringing a praise into the house is a sacrifice. And for maybe for those of you in here who are struggling to believe, those of you who are maybe new in your relationship with Jesus, some of you who are maybe uncertain about this faith walk, passage of scripture says this in Zephaniah, that when we come together, it says this, it says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior he will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm your fears. And this is the point I want you to see. It says, he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Other translation says that he sings over you. And we come in a room together and, and we are singing and you don't have the words, you don't have the energy, you don't have the passion. Keep coming, allow the Lord to sing over you. Allow us to sing over you. And here's what I know is like, even if it doesn't feel like your faith is growing, guess what it's doing? You know? You don't know. It's growing. <laughs> it's growing. It's the same with natural nutrition when we're eating. We're eating healthily. We don't necessarily always in the beginning feel ourselves getting stronger, feel ourselves. We don't, we don't feel the nourishment in our body feeding our body. When you come to a room that's full of faith, you may not feel like it is building and growing your faith, but it is. And so we keep coming back to worship. The other thing we do with the insensitives and the idiots, here's what we do. We stay silent. We keep our mouths closed. Our first response is to want to do what? Defend ourselves. 
Our first response is to want to go to them and say something. Our first response is, is to give them a dose of their own medicine. But as you're reading through 1 Samuel 1, you don't see Hannah respond to her idiot husband. You don't see Hannah respond to her husband's other wife. She stays silent among them. And if you read through Scripture, this is a pattern for those who face their enemies. And so you can put that there. It's like silent before the insensitive and the idiot or silent before your enemy. When, when David is being pursued by the first king, Saul, and David is supposed to be the next king and he's Saul's servant, but Saul is jealous of, of everything that David is doing, Saul pursues David with a desire to end his life. David doesn't try to defend himself. When Jesus is standing before the religious authorities, he doesn't try to defend himself. He stays silent. This is what Psalms 37, verse 6 and 7 says this, God will vindicate you in broad daylight. He will publicly defend your just cause. Wait patiently for the Lord Wait confidently for him. And so when we're in the midst and we're feeling attacked and we feel like God's not moving and, and we're feeling all the pressures year after year and those people around us, we wait patiently and confidently with our mouth closed before men. I had a conversation yesterday with a young, young ministry leader and he was a part of um, an incident at, at a church that has blown up on Facebook it's been shared 544 times, and thousands of people have probably, probably seen it. And he called me, he's like, knowing what to do, what to say, who to talk to. And I told him this, you don't have to vindicate yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. The Lord will defend you. Those who are closest to you know you most. And those are the ones that we are most concerned about. Those are the ones that we look to. And so we stay silent before them. When we're all prayed out, guess what we do, guys? We pray once more. We pray once more. What happens if I prayed once more and I'm all prayed out? What do you do? You pray once more. What about if I'm all prayed out after that? Guess what you do? You pray once more because it says that once, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, it says once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and she went to pray. Now, I don't know if this was the first time that she's done it. I don't know if it became accustomed to her that after every sacrificial meal, she would go and they're all sitting around and she sees, you know, Penaniah and, and all her children eating and her husband laughing and she's reminded that, that I don't get to experience the same joy that they're experiencing at this feast. And so maybe she got up at the end of every feast and went to the tabernacle to pray, but it says this time once she did, once she, what if she would have just sat there and be like, you know what, I don't think it's worth it. Um, I don't think God's gonna move. What's the use? What if she had decided not to go, but she got up and went once more and we know in reading the story that she made the vow and God answered her prayer from that day. And we know, like Jesus tells us that, that he answers prayers based off our shameless persistence, that we are so persistent that we are shameless about it, that we don't care what other people think, that we're going to continue to pray no matter what. So I'm going to ask you, like, like pray one more time. 
I don't care if you've been praying months, weeks, years, whatever, pray one more time. I don't care if at the end of this series and we take all the cards down and God's still not answered, guess what I want you to do? Pray one more time. Pray one more time. And this is the last thing that we see Hannah doing. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 15, when, when she's in the tabernacle and she's praying, and it says that she's praying out of her heart, her lips are moving, but no words are there. The priest Eli comes and says, get out of here with your drunken self. Stop drinking, and this is what she says. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I've not been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Pray once more, and this is how we do it. We pour our heart out to the Lord. We just pour our heart out. Now, that doesn't sound very manly, right, men? Because it's like we're, it's, it's, it's hard for us to pour our hearts out to anyone, little own someone that we can't really see and feel and doubt if he's there. This is, this is, this is how David put it. He says, look, I just pour out my complaints before him. And I tell him all of my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Pour out your heart before the Lord. Every emotion that you're feeling, listen, every bit of anger that you're feeling, every bit of frustration that you're feeling, every bit of doubt and unbelief that you're feeling because even in your doubt and unbelief and you're bringing that to the Lord that's in conversation with him, you're acknowledging his existence. You're acknowledging that, 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 that he is there, pouring out your complaints. He is, he is not so small that he can't take it. His shoulders are big enough. His arms are strong enough to be able to take our complaints year after year it was the same as we look at this timeline in the story year after year it was the same and then it says once she got up after a meal and went to the tabernacle to pray and then in verse 20 it says in due time she gave birth to a son some of you are in that season. You're in that in due time. And what do we do in that in due time? We continue worshiping. We stay silent before our enemies. We pray once more. And we pour out our heart. Year after year, it's the same. Once she got up to pray. And then in due time, she gave birth to a son. And then she goes back to the temple because she made this promise, right? She made this promise that, that you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And so she went through the process of, of weaning him. And that was a process of, of nursing and a process of going through the toddler stages and the introduction of values. And there's teaching that's going on in that. It's not just weaning from nursing, but it's, it's going through a process. And when that process came to an end, she upheld her, her vow and she took Samuel back to the temple. And when she came, she saw Eli and this is what she said. She said, sir, 
do you remember me? Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. And I pray that the Lord would give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship there. Here, that's, that's the story I want for us. That when God has done what we are asking him to do, that we can stand before those that maybe doubted us, that thought wrongly of us and say, remember me, I'm, I'm the one years ago, I was praying for this to happen and now I'm holding on. I'm, I'm embracing that which I prayed for. For some of you, you're praying for family members to come to know the Lord. And here's my hope is that they would have a prodigal moment, that they would have a moment from Luke 15 where the prodigal son was away from home and, and there was a moment where he came to himself and he came back home. For some of you in here, you're maybe living like Hannah and you're barren without child and you see... Like in the last year, you've had 14 babies born. And for you, you celebrate, but on the inside, maybe that's just another reminder. And I've had friends and family members that when they would receive an invitation to a baby shower, it was just another reminder of what they were not able to celebrate yet. And maybe you feel like God's calling you into ministry and to do something for him. And you've been praying, God, make it plain. Show me where you're moving. And, and you're still in this in due time. I don't want us to lose heart in this in due time. And when you're all prayed out, I want you to pray once more. And maybe you're here today and the desire in your heart is to have a life that is transformed and changed, but you don't know what that looks like. You've tried other things. You've tried other jobs, other relationships. You've tried all these things to try to, these, these life hacks and these self-helps and it's not working and you find yourself in the very same place as you were before you started. There is only one thing that can change and turn this life around and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's, here's how you step into that. You recognize that in your brokenness, there's nothing you can do to earn salvation and recognize that Jesus made the final payment and sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And that by acknowledging that sacrifice, acknowledging that, that he gave his life on the cross, that he was buried in a tomb, raised three days later, ascended into heaven, and because of all of that work, our sins are forgiven and we have eternal life. And as Chad read earlier, we have right standing before God. And so how do we, how do we accept that? through prayer by saying something similar to Jesus, I give you my life. And I know a lot of times we say repeat after me, but really that's the start of the conversation. That is submission, surrender, repentance, turning Jesus, I give you my life. And if that's you today, we wanna pray for you in a moment, but I'm gonna ask the band to come back on the stage and I'm gonna ask you guys to stand and we're just gonna go into just another, just short moment of of worship and prayer and reflection and that some of you are in this season of in due time.
And if you weren't here last week and you didn't have an opportunity to write a prayer request and put it on the board, we actually had to add another piece to the board because there were so many. Um, or maybe something's come up this past week and you want to put that on there. Um, over the next few moments, I want you to take liberty to go and do that. Um, and let me just pray for us as, as we get ready to sing. Father, I just come to you this morning. and God, I know that there are many in this room that may be feeling like it's year after year is the same. And God, what we do is we keep coming back to a place of worship, back to a place of prayer, pouring out our heart. And God, as we lift our voices to you over the next few moments, I just pray that there would just be um, just a sense of peace across this room. God, that maybe some of the weights and burdens that were felt coming in and the worries would just be lifted as we lift our eyes to you and knowing and just believing that you are more than able to do abundantly above and beyond anything that we could think or ask according to your will. And so, Father, we just, uh, we ask you just to show us, reveal yourself to us in these next few moments. Speak very specifically to us. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name. As we sing, feel free to put a prayer request on the board. Bye.